Good morning, everybody. Welcome to Thomas Risley Church. Um, and uh, great to see everybody this morning. It's fantastic to see lots of us are managing to to still meet and be church. Um, uh, so um, uh, first things to say, I guess, please uh, stay behind at the end for tea and coffee, which will be served in your own kitchen. Um, our service this morning will be led by Dave Grimshaw. So um, we're, we're very fortunate that we've uh, that we get lots of uh, lots of variety, lots of different people to um, interpret God's word for us and uh, and bring us the message that God has for for us through Him this morning. Um, just a very quick housekeeping reminder. I can see people are still joining, which is fantastic. Uh, if you can remain on mute uh, during the service, unless you are taking part, that would be fantastic um, because it helps the experience for everybody else. Um, I think that's all I need to say. Other than that, it's the same as we're getting used to. Um, and I'll hand over to Dave. Well, thank you and a uh, very good morning. Um, I'm very happy to be part of the variety uh, that we have here at Thomas Risley. Um, and uh, I include myself uh, in, in the varied. That's great. I'm happy to be that. Uh, thank you very much for the opportunity. Uh, as people have said in previous weeks, um, I'm used to, uh, in my former life, uh, working life, I was a, a university lecturer, so I'm used to standing in front of bodies and people saying things. Um, and I've done it a few times at church, uh, but this really does feel different, um, not quite the same. So um, hopefully I'll do it justice and I trust you to make good in the places where I haven't uh, done it justice or if I don't. So I've got a call to worship, but just to say uh, in the beginning that traditionally uh, this is the Sunday which in, in some church traditions is known as Low Sunday. And I never knew the reason why and still don't. Um, it's thought to be possibly um, a, a corruption of the word, the Latin word for praise, because this is a Sunday following Easter uh, where we were uh, there were lots of praises going on um, as the church, the first church, the early church, even before they were called the church, were finding out what it means to be uh, living a resurrection life. And in, in some church traditions, it's known as Bright Sunday and the week it ends Bright Week. Uh, and in, similarly in some other, particularly Eastern churches, it's known as White Sunday. But today is the Sunday where traditionally in the church's diary, we think about doubting Thomas. Um, and we're going to today, so nothing changes there. We're going to think about doubting Thomas. But it did stri strike me um, that this idea of Christians, we Christians who have a sure and certain hope, and whose faith is founded on Christ, who's a rock, still have room in our lives for doubt sometime. And it might not be a doubt that rocks your faith to the very core or to its foundations, but it might be a doubt that says, where's God in this? Why is this happening? And so it's in these strange circumstances, it's perhaps uh, appropriate that we're going to look a little bit and think about 
Doubting Thomas today. Um, and that we will be doing. Um, as we proceed uh, through our, the order of service uh, that's been put on the website, uh, and can I also just give a, a, a thanks to all the wonderful shepherding people on the technical and organisational side. Uh, these these services now, we're getting used to them, they happen so easily. We click a link, we connect, and hey, there we all are, and there you all are, so, so wonderful. But behind the scenes, there's a, there's a group of shepherds and technical and organisational and email and stuff like that that are going on. Um, to make it so easy for us, so just thanks to them. But as we go through uh, the order of service, um, we'll be having the Lord's Prayer in a moment and our Bible readings. But I have got a call to worship uh, for us today, and that's a couple of verses from Psalm 30, and they are, Sing the praises of the Lord, you his faithful people. Praise his holy name. For his anger lasts only a moment, but his favour lasts a lifetime. Weeping may stay for the night, but rejoicing comes in the morning. Fiona, can you lead us in the Lord's Prayer, please? Yes, good morning. <clears throat> Let us pray. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come. Your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our sins as we forgive those who sin against us. Lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For yours is the kingdom, the power and the glory forever and ever. Amen. Thank you. And um, Janet, and then Steve, could you bring us our readings this morning? Our first reading is from Acts verse two verses sorry, Acts chapter two verses fourteen A and then twenty two to thirty two. Peter addresses the crowd. Then Peter stood up with the eleven, raised his voice, and addressed the crowd. Fellow Israelites, listen to this. Jesus of Nazareth was a man accredited by God to you by miracles, wonders and signs, which God did among you through him, as you yourselves know. This man was handed over to you by God's deliberate plan and forth knowledge, and you, with the help of wicked men, put him to death by nailing him to the cross. But God raised him from the dead, freeing him from the agony of death because it was impossible for death to keep its hold on him. David said about him, I saw the Lord always before me because he is at my right hand. I will not be shaken. Therefore, my heart is glad and my tongue rejoices. My body also will rest in hope because you will not abandon me to the realms of the dead. You will not let your body, your holy one, see decay. You have made known to me the paths of life, and you will you fill me with joy and with in your presence, fellow Israelites. I can tell you confidently that the patriarch David died, and was buried, and his tomb is here today. But he was a prophet 
and knew that God had promised him on oath that he would place one of his descendants on his throne. Seeing what, what was to come, he spoke of the resurrection of the Messiah, that he was not abandoned to the realm of the dead, nor did his body see decay. God has raised this Jesus to life, and we will we are all witnesses to, of it. Amen. Amen. The second reading is from John chapter 20, verses 19 to 31. Jesus appears to his disciples. On the evening of that first day of the week, when the disciples were together with the doors locked for fear of the Jewish leaders, Jesus came among them and said, Peace be with you. After this, he said, after he said this, he showed them his hands and sighed. The disciples were overjoyed when they saw the Lord. Again, Jesus said, peace be with you. As the father has sent me, I am sending you. And with that, he breathed on them and said, receive the Holy Spirit. If you forgive anyone's sins, their sins are forgiven. If you do not forgive them, they are not forgiven. Jesus appears to Thomas. Now Thomas, also known as Didymus, one of the twelve, was not with the disciples when Jesus came. So the other disciples told him, we have seen the Lord. But he said to them, unless I see the nail marks in his hands and put my finger where the nails were and put my hands into his side, I will not believe. A week later, the disciples were in the house again and Thomas was with them. Through the door, though the door were locked, Jesus said, Jesus came and stood among them and said, peace be with you. Then he said to Thomas, put your finger here see my hand. Reach out your hand and put it into my side. Stop doubting and believe. Thomas said to him, my Lord and my God. Then Jesus told him, because you have seen me, you have believed. Blessed are those who have not seen and yet have believed. The purpose of John's gospel. Jesus performed many other signs in the presence of his disciples, which are not recorded in this book. But these are written that you may believe that Jesus is the Messiah, the Son of God, and that by believing you may have life in his name. Amen. Amen. Thank you, Steve. Thanks, Janet. Um, so. The thing I was thinking about this week as I was uh, thinking about preparing um, was new life, resurrection life. Um, and life and lives uh, are words or a word that we're hearing a lot about at the moment. So I just thought you might be interested to know that this week I've been able to buy some extra life. Um, despite the difficulties in shopping, I have actually been able to buy some extra life. And here it is. These are extra life gloves. So, um, yes, um, gentlemen, we should not be uh, too uh, humble to be able to shove our marigolds when necessary. And all this hand washing and extra time at home and think has rendered my beautiful skin um, a bit like sandpaper. Sorry, Sue, I'm elbowing the face there. And so I went for size, actually. I went for size and availability. So I was shopping for my essentials. I don't know whether you call uh, uh, marigold gloves. As you can see, the size thing actually isn't. I, I think the patriarchy is still alive and well and sizing marigold gloves because even though these are large, I struggle to get them on my hands and my hands are 
and medium-sized gloves in any other context. But, yeah, it, it just it's one of those things that life um, is something, it's a word and it's something we just talk about. And let's face it, we're all living lives. We're all living a life. Um, and it's a word which which can just slip in and out of our daily usage. It's a concept which is there, which, we you know, we don't um, really think about. Um, extra life gloves, I, I don't know. Um, when I was a younger, much younger man, and I was uh, out of necessity repairing the cars and maintaining the cars that um, I owned, some of my cars, my early cars, were so old that the parts on them, the bearings in the car, as part of the routine servicing, um, were to be dismantled, cleaned, packed with new grease and put back together again. And that seemed to me very messy and time-consuming, but uh, quite an arduous thing to do. And then along came sealed-for-life bearings, at which point all engineers amongst you look to the sky and go, yeah, okay, sealed-for-life, what's life would be the usual question. Yeah, there's, there's a doubt there. What do you mean by a seal for life? Okay, what you mean is cheaper to make, quicker to fit, but will wear out quickly. Yeah. But, and so that's my kind of experiences of, uh, of extra life and sealed for life. And I was, was thinking about this. I was thinking, well, uh, particularly with, with Pentecost coming up in a few weeks, there's a whole Christian dimension to the idea of sealed for life, but that's a subject for maybe a different, uh, a different talk. Um, but we Christians are actually sealed for life, sealed for eternal life. But whether it's gloves or it's bearings or um, the current uh, lockdown coronavirus crisis, crisis if it is a crisis, for some of us it is a crisis that we're going through, we talk about life. Um, and we talk about life in terms of its duration. Um, so extra life gloves presumably will have an end of life at some time, uh, the way I use them. Probably not for a long time, to be honest. They might not get a great deal of wear, uh, but they will in the end. Sealed for life, bearings fail. And so we used all the, all the concepts that the, we talk about in terms of life uh, in our normal day-to-day -day living is a life that has a duration. It has, it has a start point and it has an end point. But what we're really considering in the Eastern narrative is a different kind of life. It's a new kind of life, which is not um, constrained by the limits of the world we're in. It's something new and it's something difficult to get our hands on and our heads on, uh, our hearts around sometimes. And we also talk about life in terms of quality. We talk about having a lifestyle, about living a good life. Uh, people have a lifelong ambition that may or may not be uh, fulfilled. We have life partners. Um, where there's a, uh, a, a famous TV program amongst my generation that was called The Good Life. Uh, yeah, we, we talk about life actually quite a lot without really going into it. We just kind of assume. So today I want us to think a bit about the nature of our Christian life um, and as we as we continue this narrative of Easter uh, and we continue to follow the cosmic events uh, that happened in in that first Easter what was going on after Jesus's resurrection and the, the two readings that we just heard um, are both about that about the the disciples reaction and response 
to what had happened and what was happening at that time. And the first reading, I've taken both the readings from the lectionary, which I think we all, all know is a list of readings that's published and it goes on a three year cycle. And those two readings are two of the four readings which, which are uh, listed for today. And when I first saw them and I thought, well, I'm, I'm, I'm going to enjoy the, the discipline, which is very easy discipline of, of speaking today on the readings which are listed for today. I'm not going to go off piste. I'm going to use a, why is Acts 2 there? Because Acts 2 and Peter's talking about the events that we're commemorating at the moment, remembering an Easter narrative that actually happened on the day of Pentecost, which is about six weeks away, five or six weeks away from now. And Peter, it happened after the disciples were, were filled with the Holy Spirit and Peter received an infilling and an inspiration and a new ability to be able to to stand up and really proclaim thunder out the message but what it is is it's a great summary in that speech it's lots of other things as well but it's a great summary of the events that we're thinking about just after easter and what had happened since just before easter through easter uh, the, the the period that we're in now leading up to pentecost it's a it's a good summary, um, and in fact, it, it the the readings from Acts two reappear again and again through the weeks in this period. So it's possible, depending on on uh, who's speaking and what they uh, choose to, which reading they choose to 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 take to uh, to to work with, that we will hear that passage again over a few weeks. And it's fairly certain we'll we'll, we'll hear it when we get to Pentecost. Um, so that's a good summary there, and. What what Peter's saying there is really the the beginning. It's often called the birth of the church. And it's the beginning of the disciples' powerful response to the Great Commission that Jesus had given them at this time of commemorating now, just after his resurrection, when they were learning what it meant uh, to to have Jesus uh, resurrected and living amongst them. He gave them the Great Commission to go out and make disciples of all the nations. And that's the start of it. But let's consider the events and the things that uh, are reported in this, the reading that Steve uh, brought to us, which uh, is from John chapter 20. And it's very different in mood, whereas Peter in Acts is empowered by the spirit, has had six weeks in which he's been learning and God has taught him and they've worked together. And, taught it out. and there's a great confidence there. We come back six weeks to just after the resurrection and the just momentous events of that weekend and we find the disciples in a very very mixed kind of mood um on the one hand they are realizing with utter amazement and astonishment that we can only just kind of like imagine that jesus really is actually alive and he's back among them at the same time they're terribly fearful times They've seen their leader, their, their Lord and master, brutally and savagely treated and killed. And he's come back to life. But what does it all mean? And are they next? And it says uh, in, in, at this time, the Bible, that the disciples were meeting in privately together in a room, not out in public. And they'd lock the doors for fear of the authorities. They were fearful. 
So at the ta- same, at, at simultaneously, at the same time, they have this amazing, incredible story. What, what they must, they've been saying to each other, absolutely incredible stories. Do you know what happened? Do you know what Cleopas and his friend have said? Do you know what, what Peter and James and John have said? Do you know what the women have reported? It's absolutely incredible. At the same time, they're quaking in their boots because they don't know uh, are their lives to be to have gone next? How is it going to happen? Are they going to be persecuted? What what uh, what is going to what's going to happen? They don't know. They're they're undergoing trauma. This is a pretty fearful and terrifying, but absolutely amazing times at this simultaneously. So there they are. The first time they're gathered in this quiet uh, room and locked, and they're, they're talking about these things, and then. Out of nowhere, just in an instant, Jesus is with them. He's right there amongst them. And I've been reading some commentaries. I've been reading a couple of some commentaries on these passages on, on, on Easter. Really. And there's some great material that's available online. And I've, I've learned a lot and I've gained a lot from those things I've written. But a few of them I take issue with because they describe Jesus' appearance in this room as ghostly and you know it's the exact opposite and that's the story that's the point of the story about doubting thomas it's exactly the opposite of being ghostly jesus is there in the real bodily presence Uh, and we know that famously or perhaps infamously uh, poor thomas wasn't there the first time and when the disciples told him that Jesus came, he was there, he was with us, he breathed on us. Yeah, it's a, a living, breathing, bodily Jesus. Okay, it's a new body. It's the first body of the new kingdom. It's the first, he is the firstborn of that. And we are all his heirs. We all follow into that because of what he did. But he's still bodily there, not ghostly there. And Thomas, of course, denied it. He denied it there and then and said, unless I see him, unless he's so physically real to me that I can actually put my fingers in, uh, uh, and hands on his body and his wounds, I'm not going to believe it. And thereby he got himself the nickname, which has carried down millennia of Doubting Thomas. Um, yeah, it's a tough one, isn't it? I don't know if any of you have had nicknames that have kind of followed you and dogged you through the years. So, you know, Peter was known as The Rock. That's a good nickname to have, isn't it? Uh, James and John uh, were known as the Sons of Thunder. Well, that's a good nickname as well. Yeah. Hey, Thomas, what were you known? I don't know, doubting. That was what I was known. It's not a, it's not a great uh, nickname, kind of, and a great badge to follow you. But it's there for us, and it's witnessed to us for a reason. And it's that that doubting, sometimes doubting, is a human frailty, and we can follow what. Thomas went through and we can learn from that and we can take strength and courage from that. So as we know, we all know the story that a week later, lots of things happening, lots of things going on, but the disciples meet again. They don't, the passage doesn't actually say it's the same room, but the strong implication it is. It's certainly, they're certainly in private. They've certainly got walls around them and the doors are certainly locked. Yeah. And Jesus appeared again and we know what happened. Jesus said to him, here I am, Thomas, and I'm not a ghost. I'm solid. You know, put your hands, 
put your fingers in the, in, in the holes of my hands, put your hand in my side. I am here. I am corporate. I am body. I am substantial. I am not something vague and ghostly like. I wonder if this is being made into a film or a TV program, how this might be portrayed at the time. And you know what? There's a certain kind of like school of production, a thought of production, which would have Jesus looking a bit translucent. And you know the kind of music that would be there? It would be all, ooh, kind of like, you know, that kind of ethereal sort of what what the, the secular world here and some of us think of as, as, as heavenly. And it's really that idea that I want us to, to draw out and just think about ourselves in terms of doubting that idea. Um, I must say before I go on to think of us that um, just one of the lines in the Bible, and there are many short lines in the Bible that really bring a lump to my throat, is Thomas's response when Jesus says to him, uh, offers this proof of him and says, here I am, put your hands on me, put your hands in me. Um, uh, that bodily proof that Thomas's response, just that short sentence, you know, he just, his disbelief just crumbles and he just drops down on his knees and he says, my Lord and my God. Absolutely fantastic. And just amazing times that those disciples live. And of course, we know also what Jesus said to Thomas. And he said, Thomas, you've believed because you've had a physical world. Well, we some, in this, in these times of uh, cyber realities and cyberspace and virtual realities, uh, what we call real life, um, a real life material world encounter with God. And Peter, uh, Jesus said to him, you've believed because you've had this encounter. Blessed are all those who believe without having this physical encounter with the body, bodily Jesus. Uh, and he, he says that for, obviously for a reason. It's all for a reason. Everything in the Bible is for a reason, but it's for us to draw strength from now in times when we're questioning. What it's what is it about? What does our faith mean in this time? Is God really with us? You know, it's for us to draw uh, strength from that. These these amazing times that the disciples were going through, it wasn't Jesus didn't only meet with the select group of disciples. As you read through the Bible accounts in the Gospels and in Acts. Uh, and indeed, in some of the letters, further letters of, uh, of Paul in the Bible, um, there were many, many times when Jesus appeared and it wasn't it, the disciples were transformed. And that's part of the compelling evidence for the truth, the veracity, the factual truth of Jesus's bodily resurrection. But we're told in the Bible that Jesus appeared lots of times uh, at the end of John's gospel. He says that there were loads of other times as well and they're, that they're not even recorded. But the ones that we know about, Jesus on one occasion appeared to 500 people at the same time. Uh, Jesus appeared individually to his brother James. He appeared individually to Peter uh, before his ascension and his resurrection. While he was still around as this bodily resurrection. And what I really want to emphasize is is the strong reality of that this familiar story that Jesus in his resurrection it, it we can be tempted by subtle influences to think that this is somehow a bit ghostly 
Um, there are angels in the Easter story. And as soon as we say angels to the 21st century mind, there's a great temptation to kind of like merge them into fairies. Because they're, you know, a bit like angels, aren't they? When they dress up, you know, they have wings. And, and of course, angels, the word angels really comes from messenger. Angels are God's messengers. It's quite simply that. Uh, and so there's no reason why they need to be particularly feminine more than masculine. Uh, there's no reason why they have to have a gender at all. Um, there's no reason why they should be considered anything other than totally real. But it's just an example of how the idea of angels to us in 2020 has kind of like subtly got motion. I, I wonder, uh, it's not an essential point of the doctrine, but I just wonder if it's part of the devil's plan to us, uh, to the world, to kind of like elide, to slip over, to overlap things of myth and fairy tale into what is actually the very substantial and solid real world story of resurrection. Um, and, you know, Jesus did not appear in that room because he's something like moaning Myrtle in Harry Potter. Yeah, there are various ghostly like characters presented to us in Harry Potter who come through walls because they're ghosts. Yeah, because they are less substantial than the wall. Jesus will, I don't know whether he actually just appeared in that room or whether he actually did come through a wall in a way it doesn't really matter. But I like to think of Jesus coming through the walls, not because he was a ghost, but because he's so much more real than the material world that he's resurrected in before his ascension. That is actually more real the world than the wall to him. The wall is a kind of ghostly thing. He just walks through it. I mean, this is the man, also God, who in his ministry years, in his life living as a man, as a Galilean, uh, calmed the storm, walked on water, um, fed 5,000 people. The things of the material world were, were under his power when he was living amongst us as a man. As a resurrected man, and the first one of those, how much more real is he? If you like, he's, he's beyond the reality of simple material things in the world. And it led on to a thought I read in, in one of the uh, commentaries I looked at. Why was the stone rolled away from the tomb? It wasn't because Jesus needed to be let out. The steel tomb with the rock in front of it, was no barrier to the risen Christ at all. Uh, he could have, it was just nothing. The reason why the stone was rolled away was for us, was for humans. So that the women and the men and the disciples who first went there could see inside and go inside and witness to the empty tomb, that they could bring that story to us. Jesus didn't need the stone to be rolled away. We did. And it's part of our evidence uh, of the resurrection. So I think it's really important that when we think to ourselves and we think about the resurrection, because that is part of our inheritance, our, our joint heirs with Christ, is not to ethereal, wispy, fainty kind of things. It's to things of real substance. And however much the reality of the current times are towards and they are a strange sort of reality and uh, a lot of us are, i know have been talking uh, when i'm talking to people a lot of them say yeah i'm just the same as you did I, I don't know if you're the same as me but i sometimes think is, is this real 
Has this actually happened? You know, it's come across us so quickly. We've learned a new normality looking at each other in a computer screen or a phone screen or a tablet screen so quickly. It's it's just, I mean, is this real? Am I, am I living in, is this somehow like the Matrix? You know, am I, am I living in an alternate kind of reality? Uh, and sometimes our doubts about Christian faith can be coming from that sort of place. They can be, well, yeah, I believe in the resurrection, but is God really here with me in this? Um, is God, it, this is a troubled times. So there are very good reasons for us to be fearful and anxious sometimes. But the, the message of the Easter story and the resurrection is that our inheritance, our new life, we're in this strange phase in between before Jesus' resurrection and when he comes back again, it's kind of like neither one thing nor the other. It is temporary because the reality of the risen Christ, the resurrected Christ, is more than anything that we're experiencing, real though that is. Please don't misunderstand me. I'm not saying it's wrong to have fears and anxieties now. I think it's wrong and it's unhelpful if we let our, those, those things overtake us. But it's right to have a concern. It's right to have a concern. And we read in, read in, the, 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 in the Easter story in the Bible, um, we know that Jesus was concerned in that. And Jesus was, was prayed and engaged with God. So let us, in our concerns and maybe our doubts that we may be tempted to now, use those things to spur us to prayer and to more contact with God. Because that is where we'll get our reassurance. Jesus took the concept of life and he redefined it. And by faith, we know those things. We know John 3.16 and John 10.10, those verses. For God so loved the world that whoever believed in him should not perish, but have everlasting life. And in John uh, chapter 10, verse 10, that wonderful bit, uh, verse, which I know a lot of us love is Jesus. It was talking about the enemy and the thief, the thieves comes to take away things from us. And Jesus is contrasted himself and said, I have come that you may have life, not just life to live, but life in all its fullness. And that's the reality of the faith and the God who holds us now in his hands, poured out his love for us to death on the cross. And he still graciously cares for us in just the same way, in just the same reality as he did when he met with his disciples in that room, when he met with 500 people, when he met with the individuals in, 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 that, in that time. There is nothing remote or insubstantial or wispy or ghostly, or ethereal, or like moaning myrtle about him. Jesus is, is bodily and physically risen from the dead. It's our faith that he will come back for us and we will join him in that state. The times and the, and the, that we live in now and the worries and the concerns we have and the prayers are real. But just like the real walls and the real doors in that room, they're nothing, they're nothing at all to the risen Christ. He is our rock. And rocks are hard, strong 
and substantial. Let's pray. Lord God, we're in your care and you won't let us down. May the power and reality of the risen Christ inspire us and lead us in these troubling times. May we witness to each other and to everyone we meet your presence among us. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Kate, could you bring us our prayers, please? Oh, well. Lord, one of the things that struck me this morning as I listened to the radio was um, there was a lady there who was a chaplain to a prison and, of course, can't go in at this time, but is taking phone calls from prisoners. And in one phone call, um, the prisoner said, I've started a gratitude diary. And I just thought I'd like to start the prayers with prayers of gratitude and move on from there. There will be a moment of silence in each section so that we can add quietly our own prayer or our own thanks. Lord, we come before you in these uncertain times. And yet, amidst these times, there are so many things to be grateful for. The lady on the radio this morning was grateful for birdsong. And we've been able to hear birdsong in a way that we've not heard for many years. As those individual notes soar above or soar... There's no traffic, so they absolutely saw those notes do. And we can hear the different birds as they're joining in. We give thanks, Lord, for the ability to go outside our homes. Some of us can go for a walk. Others can look out of windows or go into gardens. We give thanks for the wonderful weather we've been experiencing making it so much easier for families so that children can get out into gardens and play. We give thanks, Lord, for the fact that as we go on our daily walk and pass people, more people are actually looking at us, greeting us and wishing us well. And we give thanks, Lord, for all those who are working to keep those services we need going, be they supermarkets, fire, ambulance, hospitals, care homes and many more. I'm just going to leave a moment of quietness now. So as individuals in the quietness of our hearts or even out loud in our own homes, we can say the things that we are thankful for. Lord, we lift our prayers to you. And now I'd like us to think about those for whom life is quite difficult. We're living in such a strange world. 
those who are in homes and miss the, vi the visits of family, of loved ones. Those in hospitals who again are missing those people around them. We could echo that same thought across many of the institutions, Lord, where life has become very lonely. I also lift to you, Lord, those who are homeschooling and some finding it much harder than others. And we remember families that are at poverty level, don't have the laptops and computers needed. So we lift those people to you, Lord. We lift to you the many workers that are unsure about whether their job will exist at the end of all this time. Wondering how they'll get through this economic crisis. We lift to you the companies, Lord, that are struggling. And Lord, we remember and lift to you those people who are in the whole, their own homes who would normally have some respite care so that they can look after those who are disabled or ill and who are now struggling because that respite care is not available or that daily help is not available. So, Lord, in our world, there are so many who are finding life hard at present. I just gave a moment of quietness for us to add our own prayer into this. Lord, we lift our prayers to you. Now, Lord, we bring our thoughts much closer to home. We remember those who are sick at this time. Many of us belong to prayer groups. And amidst those prayer groups, names have been circulated. In a moment, I'm going to leave some quietness for you to name those people who's struggling greatly with the coronavirus. He has a young family and he's just finding it quite a hard struggle at the moment to breathe. I'll just leave a moment of quietness for you to add those people who are sick to this. And Lord, we lift to you the many who have lost loved ones. The way they'll be feeling that life is just too difficult at present. 
remembering that they couldn't be with the person they loved in those last hours. At home, lonely and not being able to have a hug from their family. Having to face a funeral where in many cases they can't have that service. Well, in all cases, they can't have the service in a place of worship. And in many cases, the crematoriums have put very small numbers. Some some any, and that's due to change. But mainly, ten people being allowed, close family. And we lift to you all those who are struggling with this, Lord. <clears throat> and I'll leave a moment of quietness for you to remember those you know who've lost loved ones in the recent weeks. Lord, we lift these prayers to you and we remember that whatever happens in this life, you are with us. As Dave said, you are our rock. You are the place that we can go to for comfort. You are the person we can shout at and the person we can praise. Everlasting God, as we go from this church today, be it an internet church, as we go from this church today to start the week ahead, we ask that in all we do, we are all closely with you at our side, safe in the knowledge that your fatherly love and care knows no bounds. Merciful Father, Accept these prayers for the sake of your Son, our Saviour, Jesus Christ. Amen. We're going to finish uh, in a second with the grace. Um, I'd just like to uh, offer a suggestion. If we were in church, we would be looking around at, uh, at everybody there um, and, and thinking of, uh, of people as we saw them as we say the grace um, and obviously we don't need to look around we can save our neck muscles with the with this system and just look forwards but I just wonder whether maybe we do exercise those neck muscles a little bit this morning and as as we say the grace I, I'll say it and we can say it in our homes um, on mute but I'll say it but maybe if we look around Look out of the windows, look at our neighbours and, uh, and and all the people around us as well, and you know share that prayer uh, with with people outside of our immediate fellowship here. So, may the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ and the love of God and the fellowship of the Holy Spirit be with us all now and evermore. Amen. Amen. <laughs>